In the first part of this podcast conversation, we talked about embracing and dealing with fear and anxiety. In this second part, we'll be looking into dating smart and aging joyfully. Please, if you have not subscribed or given us any rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on any platform you listen to this on, kindly do so. Kindly support this podcast by even sharing with your friends and family and loved ones. Thank you so much. Relationship consists of different people, of different walks of life, like you made mention of, like different experiences, different backgrounds. So how do we set a realistic and mindful, you know, expectation for this kind of relationship that we get into? Um, you know, it's such a good question, Toby, that um, when, if we go back to Date Smart mm. and that book and that's coming out, I really come from a place, regardless of gender, that we have a responsibility to know who we are, not be perfect. Mm. It's not about being perfect. It's about knowing who I am right here, right now, and yeah. what I want from a relationship. Mm. Do I want, if I'm single, right? Do I want to stay single? Do I want to be partnered? Do I want a long-term partnership, mm. right? What do I want? What are my values? Mm. How am I, do I want just a hookup? And I'm mm. not judging any of that. I'm saying I need to know what I really want. Yes. So if I come again, whether I'm a man or a woman, you know, regardless of gender, if I come to the table and say, this is who I am, this is what I'm looking for. Mm. How honest is that? How respectful is that? And then in that interchange, if we are both being authentic, the person, if I'm saying, oh, I only am seeking marriage. And the other person says, oh, I just want to hook up. Mm. We can go, oh, two ships passing in the night. See you later, right? Yeah, yes. But if I'm saying I want marriage and that person says, who really wants a hookup says, oh, I want marriage too. Mm. It's based on dishonesty. True. So if we just show up, and say, this is who I am. And so many problems, again, I don't really see gender differences here. Mm -hmm. I see it being very gender neutral, mm -hmm. that it's really about, and I'm big on friendship. Mm -hmm. If we create, aside from people who just want to hook up, that's, you know, its own segment, and I, you know, no judgment there. But if you want a relationship, build a friendship. Mm -hmm. Build a friendship, because if you build a friendship, even if the romance goes aside, after the limerence stage of a relationship, the honeymoon stage, you yeah. will have a friendship. Yeah. And that friendship can always reignite. Not always, but it often the passion can be reignited. And if it's not reignited, you still have a friendship. Mm. You still have someone that you met that you can really respect. So many relationships are not built on friendships. Mm. Yeah. And so I really come from a place of... Um, regardless of what it is you want, know it, be honest about it, show up and treat others the way you would like to be treated. And so I talk in Date Smart about things like ghosting, right? <laughs> and it's such a big issue in the dating world, those and, you know, all of the other ones like breadcrumbing or, you know, wh whatever the, the current Sounds phrases up. are, right, for disrespectful behavior. Mm -hmm. And really what it boils down to is, if you are ghosting someone, you're causing harm. Mm. And you can shift that harm very quickly with one text that says, thank you for your time. I'm moving in another direction. Mm. And then with that 
simple. And I, I even said, if you're the kind of person who really likes to move through relationships, keep that as a little text to yourself, cut and paste and give it to the person, you know, one <laughs> after the other, right? Then you're no longer, you're a ghoster. You're somebody who simply says, shows up and says, hey, I like to move through relationships quickly. You know, I'm not the kind of person who wants something long-term. You hook up with someone, you send a text the next day that says, hey, move it on. You've done everything you've that you've shown up and said you were going to do. True. You've shown up, You've done what you wanted to do. You've sent, you've sealed it so that the other person can have peace of mind and move forward. Hmm. Yeah, that's very true. So how, how do you set like healthy and strong boundaries in relationships? So let's say you, you advance with the relationship, for example, and you are, you are building up friendship or you are building up something, you are going towards somewhere. How do you build up these, you know, boundaries? Okay. That takes us, Toby, back to the piece of self-awareness. Mm. And that's actually where I start Date Smart from, is getting to know who you are. Because if I know my values, for example, a few of my values, integrity, respect, kindness, transparency, you know, mm. gratitude, generosity, those are some of my core values, right? Yeah, yeah. And if I show up and say to someone, these are my values, what are your values? And they say, my values are getting as much out of life I, as I can, using people, um, trampling on the earth. And I'm going to go, hmm, not a good fit. Mm -hmm. But maybe I'll meet up with someone who tells me their values match mm -hmm. my, my values. Mm -hmm. And then maybe they do. And the relationship ends off great, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they lied to me. And they just are saying that so they can get into my world. That happens a lot, right? Mm. Then I need to pay attention to red flags. Uh. So when the red flag comes up when somebody says, oh, I'm a kind and loving and generous person. They're with you and they're criticizing you. Or they're criticizing other people. Mm. Or they're throwing trash on the ground. You know, whatever it is that's happening. And you go, wow, this isn't adding up. Or yeah. they call people names. Or they're judgmental. All of these red flags are going up. Here's boundaries. I pay attention to the red flags. I go back to my values and say, this isn't working for me. Mm. You, you and I had this agreement that this is, and I think I'm missing something here because your idea of being respectful doesn't seem to align with mine. Yeah. And so we might not be a good fit. Mm. And so then that person has the opportunity to go their own way or to come into my world and share my boundaries, you know, share my life and, and respect my boundaries. Yeah. Does that make sense? So when we use boundaries, boundaries are different in every relationship. Mm -hmm. So in a, a new friendship, we may have very strict boundaries, mm -hmm. you know, keeping somebody at a distance and that would be healthy. Mm -hmm. And then as we get to know someone, our boundaries become a little more permeable and we let them in and then they can touch us or kiss us or, you know, we have sex or whatever it is that we wouldn't do with somebody else. Mm. And where boundaries get difficult is when one or both people are not clear on what those needs are. I have married people who will say, my husband comes by all the time and he's whacking my butt. 
some women would love that. Yeah. They'd love that their partner to do that. In some situations, the woman's saying, it feels like constant sexual assault. Different boundaries, right? Yes. So the woman who doesn't want her butt padded in her marriage, you know, we don't generally want people to pat our butts out on the street. That would be a serious boundary violation. Yeah. But in a marriage, you could see where it would also feel for someone who doesn't like that. Then it becomes, wait a second, honey, I love you dearly. Please don't pat my butt. It just makes me feel like an object or whatever's going on. Mm -hmm. So it is about knowing our boundaries so that we can state our boundaries. Mm -hmm. And then after stating our boundaries, enforce our boundaries. And I'm kind of like a three strikes person mm -hmm. that if you cross my boundary and it's not too big of a violation, I'll say, mm, you, you crossed my boundary there. Let me be really clear on what it is. Maybe you don't know me well enough to know how clear it is. Mm. Person does it again, I say, mm, cross my boundary, here it is, <laughs> right? And if they do it again, then I'm likely to say, this isn't working for me. It sounds like you and I have very different boundary needs. So, you know, this is what will have to happen. So yeah. then there's the natural consequence. Oh. It generally doesn't even get to three strikes because we are as we become more self-aware, we become clearer about our boundaries. Mm. And then we also, if somebody crosses my boundary, this is the part of mindfulness we were talking about. Yeah. I will spend time looking at what occurred mm. so that the next time I'm clearer yeah. with myself and with the other person. And I think that's the important piece is after an interaction occurs, people often move on very quickly to something else. Mm -hmm. And I think we, as a practice, not to come back and relive something negative mm -hmm. ever, to relive what we would have done differently. Yes, yes. To use it as a learning opportunity to say, oh, I don't really like how I showed up that way. Mm. I wonder if I could, how could I show up differently next time that would make me feel better about me? Because mm. we can't control the other person, but we can control how we show up. That's very true. That's very, very true. And in, in a relationship, for example, or, you know, friendship with other people, is, is there um, the room to, you know, make adjustments, for example, and say, okay, these are my values. Actually, I love you so much, but because you see things a different way, I'm going to try to adjust myself or, I don't know, make some room for you to be my space in my life, <laughs> making some sacrifices or some compromises or something like that? It's such a good question. And um, I'm giving you a sneak peek, Toby, into my fourth book, the manuscript <laughs> I'm working on right now. Awesome. And I really focus on that in there. And one word in the title of that book is imperfect. Hmm. And so... What I really like to believe is that we have two types of values, our essential core values mm. and our general values. Mm. Our essential core values tend to be like oxygen, mm. like we need them. Yes. And so for you in the, the piece you're talking about in a friendship, mm. one of your essential values may be respect, mm. maybe honesty, right? Yes. Maybe integrity. So if a friend is disrespectful, lacks integrity, dishonest with you, you may say, you're not really my friend and no, this isn't going to work. Mm -hmm. But if it's a general value, that's just something more flexible, like 
you know, a love for travel or a love for um, maybe somebody's a little bit different with finances than you are, a little bit different with food or drinking than you are. Yeah. Those are more flexible. And then we might say, oh, absolutely. That's just your way of being. You be you, you be me. But I think in general, with our essential values, they tend to be a little less flexible in nature mm. because there are oxygen. Yes. Does yes. that make sense? That makes sense, yes. So we can't yeah. only compromise on things that are much more flexible for us, on our flexible values. Yes, yeah. yes. And I think those are the ones, again, where um, when we meet up with someone mm. and we're forming a relationship, mm. we often don't look at our values. Yeah. And we think, oh, my God, that person's so hot. Or, <laughs> you know, they have a great car or this or that. And we're like, oh, great fit. Yeah. And we, we go by this and we also go by this. Mm. What values ask us to do is go left brain right brain and heart hmm. to know that and I have many friends whose values are different than mine in various ways but it's so interesting that they are all generally very honest respectful loyal people wow. right and yeah. so I think as long as you have core values you don't get quite off set off i think that so many things that happen when we get misaligned are because our core values mm -hmm. and when you look at things like you know women feeling harassed it's because their core value of, of respect yes or a man being harassed right mm -hmm. we don't like our core value of respect for people who value respect mm -hmm. uh-uh <laughs> it will set people off very yeah. that one's pretty non-negotiable <laughs> <laughs> that's very true yes that's very yeah true. and so when we're going out on dates, and I work with a lot of people who are dating, they'll meet someone who's just, you know, they'll say, oh, my God, the most handsome guy or the prettiest girl I've ever met. Mm -hmm. But then when they start going out on dates, the girl will be flirting with other guys or the guy's eyes will be going around the room. Yeah. And that feels like a deal breaker. Why? Because of the lack of respect it's mm -hmm. showing. Yes. Or someone who really wants to get married, being with somebody, that's like a core value, marriage, family, happily ever after. Yes. And somebody who's a bachelor or a bachelorette, and they value that. Mm. Those are so different, yeah, different yeah. that unless one of them has a major shift, and usually that doesn't happen, it's not going to pan out well in the long run and you even think i don't know bill or melinda gates right but they're divorcing yeah. and yeah. it appears from the very little i've read that they both have very good work ethics mm. right yeah. both very aligned in that way both aligned in being philanthropic and good people mm. it doesn't sound like they're aligned on the core value of prioritizing relationship and so while they stayed together to raise the kids, and yes. this often happens at that magic age when the last one leaves for college, mm -hmm. the partners look at each other and go, oh, we aren't aligned on relationship. Yeah. One of us prioritizes it more or we haven't maintained it. And so I think, and then you take people who, um, my publisher, the owner of the publishing company, yeah. has been in a very long-term marriage, and he loves his wife so much, and they have many, many children, right? Mm -hmm. And they so prioritize family. 
it's actually the Familius is the publishing company name. Yes, yes. And they are just gorgeous together. Mm. Because of that, they share many key values. Mm. And not only do they share them, they live them. And so it's not that any value in my mind is is right or wrong or better or worse. It's about being more aligned on the core ones. And I think if we move into relationships in that way, not judging it. Mm -hmm. So two people who, let's say, they really value sex and they just want a relationship based on sex. Mm -hmm. And that's enough for them because they also value work. Mm -hmm. So if they both value work and sex and those are their two core values they're generally going to get along pretty well. Hmm. They go to work, they come home, have sex. They go to work, they come home, have sex. They'll be fine. (laughs) Right? But if one of those people values work and sex and the other one values self-growth and sexual intimacy and work, not going to be a, no, Mm. no. The one thing they'll really have in common is work. But on the home front, the intimacy piece will leave the other person feeling quite starved. Hmm. That's horrible. That's sad. That sounds very sad. Isn't it? And it's one of the privileges of my job is that I get to be inside of people's lives and see how much sadness there is. And so much of it is because of misaligned core values. True. And one thing that happens through this is, for example, depression or traumas or also possibly um, anxiety. And I, I understand that you, you work with people that, you know, go through these um, experiences in life. So what's like one advice you give someone out there who is, you know, going through depression at this moment or anxiety or trauma from any kind, relationship or whatever? Well, first I'd say read joy from fear. Yeah. Because the way I design my books... Toby, knowing that many people cannot afford therapy, mm. I design my books to be read, but also to be workbooks. Oh, that's great. So that, because many people can't afford or access therapy, mm. and therapy rates are very high often and can be not affordable. Mm. And so it's one of the reasons I wrote Joy from Fear, to allow people to have a book that they can read at their own pace. And if they can access psychotherapy, it can be used in addition with psychotherapy. It can also be used for a group. Mm -hmm. If you have a group and you all share one copy, but it has to be a safe group. Or if you're doing solo work, here's why. In, especially in America, we value psychopharmacology. So, And that's being a very general we. I do not traditionally value psychopharmacology because I think that it is masking many problems. Mm -hmm. It is much cheaper for insurance companies and definitely a boon for drug companies to throw a bottle of pills at somebody for $40 a month than spend, you know, $200 a session or 150, whatever it is on a therapist Mm -hmm. for a year, four times, you know, a month for a year. It's obviously um, more beneficial to them to have somebody just pop a pill. Mm -hmm. But that to me is much like having somebody have a bullet wound and the bullets lodged inside them and you put a bandaid over it. You don't take out the bullet. You put a bandaid over it and you say, here, just take some antibiotics. That'll help you. Well, no, we're not removing the bullet. 
So what I tell people, you're talking about three very different things. Trauma is trauma. Mm. Trauma is a wound or wounds that still live in the body, mind, and spirit. And in my life, I know what that's like. I've experienced trauma and it takes significant work to move through and heal from. It is its own class and Mm -hmm. it deserves. I'm also an EMDR therapist and EMDR is one of the best ways to heal trauma. And um, it's not the only way, mind you. And so trauma is its own thing. So whether somebody has been raped, has been Um, a victim of some of domestic violence has been a victim in a robbery, a, you know, a fire, anything traumatic, it generally needs work. Hmm. Because it is stored in the body, and the brain and the soul in a very different way. It stays fresh. I call it that it stays. You can generally know you've experienced trauma and are suffering from trauma if something is living in you in a painful way that feels like it happened yesterday, hmm. where it can just at this at a sound or a smell, you're taken back to the past. Yeah. Right. That yeah. means those memories were not properly stored by the brain because the brain was in a hyper aroused state at the time. That is why our veterans, right, who come back from wars and they're shoved into society and told, just get on with your life. Mm. No, they're filled with trauma. Mm. They hear, you know, a, a car or, you know, a doorbell and they jump. Mm. Hypervigilance, hyper, hyper startle response, right? Mm. So that's its own thing. And I do give some information in Joy from Fear about trauma. Mm. And so you can do some self-healing work with trauma, but you often need the support of a professional, but there is, there's a lot in joy from fear on that. So for anxiety, overgeneralizing here, but anxiety is generally what we talked about earlier, fear of the future, fear of the future, something in the future, something in the future. So joy from fear focuses a lot on that and how to unwind that. So some of the, just some overviews, If you're suffering from anxiety or depression, these work for both. Learn to pause, learn to breathe. And I give an outline of breathing exercises, right? But breathing, here's an example of one. If you wake up in the middle of the night and you're anxious or you're on an airplane and you're anxious, this is one of my favorites. Imagine a little pin dot right there in the center of your forehead, right? And as you breathe in, Imagine the pin dot getting bigger, as big as you want. And as you breathe out, drawing your belly to your spine, imagine the pin dot getting smaller again. Mm. Breathe in, pin dot gets bigger. Breathe out, belly to spine, pin dot gets smaller. So that's one of the kinds of breathing that can actually, what does it do? It brings you to the present. Your yeah. your mind, your monkey mind can't be going because you're focusing on this little pin dot. Yes. You're bringing on your parasympathetic nervous system and you're down-regulating your body from an anxious state to a calm state. Mm. So you're actually relaxing your body and your mind and you're bringing your spirit to center. So those are some examples. The other thing that I tell people is to pay attention to sense. And actually, during our podcast, I just used it. I had lavender oil. 
yeah. and yeah. keeping a scent by you not that i'm anxious but i do like the the feel of it as mm. well as the smell and having scents around you that are soothing mm. or a candle something that allows you to remember your physical body to bring you out of headspace and into body space and spirit space and something as simple as lavender rose oil um chamomile tea Mm. you know remembering that our body wants to be cared for especially in my profession where i'm caring for others often often giving giving Mm. giving to myself in that simple way of putting lavender oil on my hands and i didn't do that on purpose but it's an example Mm. of what i do Mm. it is one of my ways of giving to myself of saying okay here's something that feels good to you too right Mm. so if we do that whether we are a boyfriend a father a girlfriend a mother um a writer, a fireman, whatever you're, an electrical engineer, <laughs> having ways where you pause and say, I appreciate Toby. Mm. I'm going to give Toby a cup of tea. Mm. I'm going to give Toby a nice forward fold yoga stretch, right? Mm. Giving yourself these little gifts that truly matter because we get so focused on the external gifts. We can give ourselves lots of good, good gifts, right? True. That true. are very simple. So that's a helpful way to address anxiety. Depression is often, and again, an overgeneralization, is often, whereas anxiety is based on forward-looking fear, Mm. depression is often the result of being mired in the past, Mm. of getting stuck in old wounds, old hurts, lack of forgiveness. I have also noticed, interestingly enough, that many people who are depressed have suffer from unresolved anger issues Mm. and not not all of them mind you but some people Mm. who are very depressed have suffered you know a great deal of hurt in life and they haven't been able to process it they haven't been seen or heard and so they get you know and this isn't all depression right because some depression is definitely a result of an imbalance in neurochemicals and something within the system but in many cases it's the result of unprocessed grief or anger, something that has gotten stuck, again, in the body, mind, and spirit. Because our bodies experience, if somebody's yelling at me, it's one of my least favorite things. I don't Mm. like to be yelled at. I don't like people swearing at me. Mm. My body experiences it. Mm. Yes, my brains experience it, but I feel it because I'm an empath right? Mm, So people who are more empathic, it's wonderful because we can feel other people. We can give, we can nourish, we can be compassionate, but it doesn't turn off. We can Mm. learn to have good boundaries around it. But if somebody's yelling at a child or, you know, screaming in traffic, we will feel it. And then we have to go, oh, okay, you know, put up a boundary around that. Mm. So um, I think that depression is its own piece that we need to honor as something that needs to be investigated and healed and not judged. Mm. Anyone who has an issue, whether it's a substance abuse issue or marital issues, I just have such great compassion Mm. because, you know, life is tough. And sometimes we don't have all the tools that we need. Mm-hmm. And when we don't have the tools or we feel judged by other people or feel like we're broken, um, 
it makes things only worse. Yeah. And so being able to be there for friends who are suffering and be there for ourselves and reach out for support when necessary. Mm. And I'm a big believer, my goodness, in the power of groups. So going back to, you know, bibliotherapy, using books to mm. heal. I believe that the power of a good self-help book when used in a book club with a good leader, or I think that absolute transformation can be done. I ran, I just actually ended it because my time got very, very um, impacted. I had run a women's support group for 10 years and I look at myself as more of a guiding light. I don't heal people, people heal themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm present to offer guidance, but mm -hmm. I can't heal anyone. They have to want to be healed. Mm -hmm. And then I just get the privilege of guiding them yeah. and witnessing this amazing evolution. Mm -hmm. And so what you see when you do group work, that the presence, the circle, the being present for other people, hearing their stories mm -hmm. and saying, oh my goodness, I see myself in that or I don't see myself in that, but I'm there for you, is healing in itself. And I think that that's why so many of our ancestors had circles. Ah, they yes. gathered in circles. Communities, yeah. Community. Yeah. And, um, you know, knitting circles, baking circles, talking circles, you know, sharing circles, mm. being in circles where there is safety and trust and community is healing in itself. So um, I think that if we take a very soul-based approach to offering healing to the world, you know, it's one of the things I love to do. I just find it magnificent to be with a group of people and, and, and to be able to be a light to offer healing, which is one of the reasons I enjoy podcasts, because if I only touch one mm. life, mm. what a wonderful use of my of my time, right? Yes. Just one life. Mm -hmm. And if I happen to touch more than one life, oh my goodness, how blessed, how lucky was I. Yeah. Right? Yes, that's true. Yes. And for the listeners out there who would love to you know, get in contact with you, like to work with you for to get your, you know, therapeutic services that you offer or to, you know, work with you to get some healing or some consultancy or something or some, I don't know, okay. whatever, or ad <laughs> ad advocacy. There are a lot of things you offer, actually, like a list of things one can get from you. What's the best way of getting in contact with you to, yeah, to work with you? My website is drcarlamanly.com, and it's Carla, C-A-R-L-A, Manly, M-A-N-L-Y, and you can reach me through drcarlamanley.com mm. and even though my private practice is incredibly full and um, we're limited to anybody in the health field is limited to working in their area mm. I do um, especially with date smart coming out I'll be doing a master class on date smart awesome. and I will if somebody in their area wants to organize a class around joy from fear or date smart mm. I absolutely just so love diving into new projects that mm. somebody wants me to lead yes. because just like today we're very organic not scripted mm. that is how I think we all work best mm. if I lead from what I want to teach Yes. It's not nearly as effective as if I show up and offer what others need. Hmm. And then, and I, and I, I, you know, clearly I love dogs, but <laughs> I sometimes think of myself like a little hound dog. We once had a red bone coon hound. And that if I'm present for people hmm. like a hound dog sniffing and following what they need, hmm. then 
I'm being of service. And that's what I feel like I'm here to do, you know, yeah. is to be of service. Yes. I'm going to place all your information in the show notes for this episode. So I'm encouraging everyone to click on the links, get your books, and also get in contact with you to benefit more from, from you. And one thing, one thing I would love to also say is that um, your, your book, Date Smart, is coming out July 6th on Amazon. I check, I, check, I sell the dates on <laughs> July 6th. So I'm looking forward to that already. And I'm hoping that everyone will pick up the book, pre-order it, and, you know, yeah, read a copy of the book and transform your relationships and your love fearlessly. And also, one, one book we didn't talk about, actually, is um, because we've run out of the time. We spent a lot of time, yeah, a lot of time talking about the other two books and a lot of interesting things that have been blessed by already from you. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so grateful for everything I've learned from you. Well, one book we didn't talk about was um, Aging Joyfully. Like, Aging Joyfully, yes. such a great book. And even though the title says it's for women 50 and older, mm. that was a marketing issue, you know, that the publisher had to handle. But I believe in a world, we live in a world where I've had clients as young as 23 tell me they're no longer relevant and that they're old. Mm. And Aging Joyfully um, is actually a book to me for anyone who's over 18. Because not only does it address physical issues, simple things like the importance of wearing sunscreen so that you prevent skin cancer, but it's really, as are all my books, it is about loving yourself from the inside out. And so Aging Joyfully also really asks people to look at ageism age of the self, which is, you know, self-ageism is looking at yourself at 25, 35, 45, 55 and saying, Mm. I'm no longer relevant. Somebody younger is going to come in and replace me. That Mm. can happen to us at any age. So it's about noticing when that's happening from the Mm. inside or from the outside Mm. and moving into it, Mm. not running away from it, but saying, wow, I don't want to be a part of a world where I'm afraid of moving into maturity older societies and you know when we look at myth very much about the the young woman the virgin the maiden and the old crone and the old crone our society looks at as being an ugly old witch crone my goodness is wisdom that's wisdom and you can be 25 and have crone energy the old soul energy and you can be 85 and not have it. Hmm. So for me, it is about developing that sense of being able to access the child within ourselves. She's the playful one. She's, you know, that's the one that freedom grabs and says, let's go play, right? So, and by the way, freedom appears in Date Smart. It's one of the most wonderful little surprises. And he's also on the back cover. Um, But anyway, um, so back to aging joyfully. So the when we look that those are parts of who we are Mm -hmm. and so many old fairy tales are actually based on that Mm -hmm. we have sanitized and romanticized fairy tales but they're really about getting to know all the parts of yourself Mm -hmm. so for a young man you know a young man you know the myth is men peak at 18 right Mm -hmm. no my goodness I've known men who are have old crone energy right Mm -hmm. their old crone energy at 18, 19, and I've unfortunately known people in their 60s and 70s who have no wisdom at all. And so aging joyfully is about embracing 
all of this beauty that's inside of you, all of this potential, not being afraid of aging, but mm. saying, my goodness, if you paid me to go back to be 18 again, no, you couldn't <laughs> give me a billion dollars. Mm. To have to live through all of that again? No, I have learned way too much. Mm. And it has come hard, right? Yes. So if we look at our lives that way and say, wait a second, my journey is a treasure. It is a sacred treasure. Mm. And if you want to come and walk with me, no matter how old you are, that's why I get along well with any age. I get mm. along well with any age. I, any age. Because I feel ageless. I can be 18. I can move into a space and be with a 90-year-old. Everybody has something to teach me. Yeah, yeah. Even my pup, especially my pup. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I, I love that, actually. That's the way to look at it, being ageless. Like, not... um, not um, bracketing yourself into this um, age group and say, okay, I'm 25, I have to do this, I achieve this, I have to be um, this smart or less smart or um, I have to, you know, have this kind of wisdom or this acquisition already at this age or at this point in my life. But love yourself with the age, yeah. yeah. Love yourself and be in tune. You made me think when I was in, in college, undergrad, they would have to, my friends would have to pull me out of my room, pull mm. me. Because I was not a partier, just not interesting for me. I was like an old soul at a young age. Mm. So there is that piece where knowing who you are, and I didn't know then what it, what that meant. I just knew I was different, mm. that I you know, wasn't interested in fraternities or sororities. And there's that piece that if we look just as you said, regardless of the age you are, drop into it. And try to know who you are, what your needs are, and honor them and allow people to come in and yes. pull you out in ways that feel good to you, that broaden your horizons, mm. not in ways that make you lose who you are. Yeah. And that's a very subtle difference, isn't it? So if somebody comes in and says, let's go river rafting, I go, hmm, that's a little out of my comfort zone, but when when are we going, right? When are we going? So that's, you know, as long as we have life rafts, we'll be okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's true. (laughs) Wow. I'm I'm really grateful. I'm I'm really grateful for everything I'm able to learn from you today. Like, (laughs) I'm I'm so sorry for taking extra from your time already. (laughs) (laughs) Toby, it's been a joy. It's been a joy. And um, I look forward to connecting with you again. Thank you to you. Thank you to your listeners. Thank you so much. And I I really wish you all the best. And also... um, wish you you know much more love and much more light as you spread love and light to other people and help other people's life I, and i wish the same for you thank Namaste. you so much <laughs> take wow. good care toby same to you wow you made it to the very end of this episode thank you so much for listening i'm grateful for your time your love and your contributions subscribe like review and share this podcast god bless you bye